You are listening to the No People Pleasing Zone. If you're ready to unlearn people pleasing patterns and tame your fears so you can stand in your power and claim the unapologetic life you're entitled to, you're in the right place. I'm Easy Martin Chan. Let's get started. Have you ever felt like there's this voice in your head that you can't figure out how to silence. It makes you feel unworthy, incapable, deficient, and filled with self-doubt. Sometimes you feel under attack from within. In today's episode of the No People Pleasing Zone, we're going to learn to understand that voice. What motivates it? Be reminded that you aren't alone in dealing with a critical, judgmental voice in your head. Not only that, But when you ask yourself the right questions, you can turn that nasty voice into your ally so that you can create the life that you want. You have now entered the No People Pleasing Zone. Host Elizabeth Martin-Chan is here to pull you out of the people-pleasing rabbit hole into a world where you are priority number one. So keep those earbuds in, close the door, and claim your personal time just for you. Hey there, I'm Elizabeth. Welcome to the No People-Pleasing Zone. This is our zone, our space to dive into what it means to be stuck in what I call the people-pleasing rabbit hole. This is the space where we tease apart the challenges. We discover we're not alone, we find inspiration, and we begin to feel emboldened to shift perspectives and find our way out. I'm so glad you're here because you are enough just the way you are. So pop in those earbuds, find some time and space in whatever that looks like in your reality and spend some time together. Do you ever find yourself berating yourself, beating yourself up, talking to yourself with words and tones you would never use with another person? We can actually be really cruel towards ourselves. I've struggled with this my whole life, and it's really painful. I've made myself feel useless, incapable, stupid, I've ended up hating myself, or at least hating my inabilities, because I thought I had so many drawbacks that I couldn't ever live up to the expectations of others or dreams that I had for myself. It's nice to have dreams. It's nice to have ambitions. But really, what's the point if you can't see yourself ever being able to follow those dreams? When I was a kid, I struggled in school to feel like I was smart enough. I never seemed to receive the marks that were good enough. I felt really stupid. So stupid, in fact, that I can remember times where I, would, I was under so much in, inner pain that I would literally hit my head against the wall. I don't know, maybe I needed to experience a physical pain that somehow matched the inner pain. I don't really know why that was my solution, but it was. I do know that I felt stupid most of the time. 
I haven't been in school for decades, but that inner belief system of my innate stupidity, it still stubbornly clings with the inexplicable ability to pop up when I least expect it. I think over time, I've found that the easiest way to avoid that inner I'm stupid dialogue was to avoid putting myself in situations where I could judge my intellect. But, you know, more recently, it would show up after a conversation in a social setting or when I spoke up about something at work. I would find myself waking up in the middle of the night going over and over a conversation. It actually is remarkable to me how much I could remember about conversations. I could dissect every word that I said. I would spend those times in the middle of the night wondering if I got my point across. And I would always discover something that I should have said. I could say something in a different, better way. I would feel worried. I would feel anxious. And I'd end up feeling really angry at myself for being so stupid. It seemed like I would never be satisfied with what I did. And I just had to live with that. It didn't seem to me like anyone else berated themselves in the same way I did in the wee hours. They all seemed so confident, so self-assured, so smart, so able to carry on normal conversations. And then I learned about the inner critic. Maybe you've heard about the inner critic, but I hadn't. The inner critic refers to that demeaning, judgmental inner voice, that voice that attacks, that points out how inadequate you are, how worthless you are, that voice that judges your behaviors, yourself, your way of being. It judges it as bad or wrong. It's the voice that, that has you feeling guilty about, your, about who you are. It's a really harsh voice, and it can be debilitating. It was really, really helpful to me when I learned that psychology and psychotherapy had a term, the inner critic, to describe something that I had thought was just part of who I was. It is a part of who I am, but it's also something that isn't my own weird, self-destructive, bad makeup. The inner critic lives in all of us. Our relationship with it might vary, but maybe, just maybe, some of those people who seem to have it all together might also lie awake at night hearing a critical voice berating and belittling them. And I learned that the inner critic has four main ways that it shows up. It can show up with comparison. It shows up in this form. We, we can hear it comparing ourselves to others, which usually makes us feel inferior. Back when I was school, upset with myself about how stupid I was, I would often compare myself with my younger sister, who always seemed to get high marks and never had to work hard for those marks. It seemed obvious to me that she was just smarter. 
We see this comparison inner critic show up for so many people these days with, with the large social media that we have. I think we've had a sense of this for a long term time, observing how people, particularly young girls, seem to feel lesser after spending time on social media. It seems that for many of them, they feel less than their peers. And data is emerging. Data has been coming forward. And we've learned recently that Instagram actually has internal data that shows that girls in particular suffer negative impacts from comparison. Their inner critics are actively berating and belittling them. The second way that the inner critic can show up is personalization. This is the pro in this approach of the inner critic. You find yourself making everything about you and your faults. I recently read an opinion piece about um, the Gen X. I think it was in the New Yorker about the Gen X girl. And it recalled what it was like to be a teenage girls when our phones were connected to the wall. And the real anguish that we went through if we tried to call our best friend and found that the line was busy. And then we tried to call our other best friend and found the line was also busy. You know, it reminded me, and the article pulls that out, of what it was like to, have, to know that both of our best friends were talking on the phone. And they must, you know, the conclusion that we, we personalized it and we, we came to the conclusion that they must be talking to each other and there must be something wrong with us because we were not participating in a conversation with one of us, with us. You know, our inner critic had us convinced that there was something wrong with us. And that's why they were talking to each other. We personalized the situation. We brought up fear that someone wasn't talking on the phone with us because there was something wrong with us. The third way that the inner critic can show up is through should statements. All of those things that we should have done. Those are the kinds of statements that show up so often for me when I lay awake late at night reviewing my conversation. I could come up with brilliant wording for what I should have said. I can analyze up the wazoo what I should have presented my, how I should have presented my argument. And back when I was in school, feeling so incredibly stupid, my inner critic would berate me for not answering the right answer or how much studying I should have done. The last of the, mo of the four most common ways the inner critic shows up is in the form of labeling or generalization. The inner critic has us generalizing single incidences into overall abilities. When I didn't get the marks that I desired or thought I should get in school, I generalized. I took an individual mark and I came to the conclusion that I was stupid. I labeled myself as stupid. And every test, every essay, every evaluation was simply a, con was simply a confirmation of a generalization that my inner critic had me believing. So the question is, 
If the inner critic is so painfully damaging to so many of us, why the hell does it exist? I mean, it is helpful to understand that there isn't anything unusual or or wrong about having an inner critic. It's a voice in your mind, and many of us have it. But what the hell is the purpose of having a voice that can be so mean, so mean that had me as a child driven to draw, to whack, whack my head against the wall in order to create physical pain to match the pain I felt inside? Like, really, what's the point? If this inner voice is common, it isn't something uniquely wrong with me. So why? Why does it exist? One of the things to notice about the inner critic is it isn't speaking from a logical, intellectual place. It is felt. It's a sensation. It is sensation-based. It creates feelings of deficiency and low esteem. It creates self-doubt and undermines self-confidence. It creates a feeling of shame. What's the point of feeling shame in how we show up in the world? I think the inner critic can boil down to that. It makes us feel shame in how we show up in the world. So what is the point? Is it necessary? So I think it's necessary to look at our evolution to understand the purpose of the inner critic. That's where we find its purpose, the reason it exists. It's helpful to remember that all organisms Even single-cell organisms have the capacity to detect and respond to stimuli in order to survive. It's all about survival. The inner critic critic helps us to detect something and then respond in a way to survive. The inner critic takes what we detect in our environment, makes us, or at least some of us, feel shame. So what role does shame have in helping us to survive? Shame is all about fitting in. Shame is written into our DNA in a way, as a way of ensuring that our family and our community accepts us. From an evolutionary perspective, acceptance in the community, in the family, was everything for survival. In the days when community ensured both safety and food, Expulsion from the community most likely meant death. It was dangerous to be expelled. The ancestors who knew on a biological level how to avoid rejection, how to avoid expulsion, those were the ones who became our genetic ancestors. Any individuals that existed that were deemed too dangerous to, have co- to help with the common survival of the community, the ones that were not accepted, who were forced out of the family, out of the community, were unlikely to leave a huge impact on our inherited DNA pool because they didn't reproduce and become part of our heritage. They likely died out. So while our inner critic is, easy, is busy comparing us to others, personalizing things that happen as faults, identifying what we should have done, 
and generalizing our abilities. It's busy motivating us through shame to change our ways to ensure we stay connected with the community for our own safety. The inner critic is busy bringing up the emotions of shame to act as a tool to identify and encourage us to hide anything about ourselves that might threaten our ability to stay in the care of the community. Our inner critic is really just trying to motivate us to stay safe. We each have our own level of sensitivity. Some of us are more empathic than others. We we each have our own life history and our own family history that creates our own unique response to our inner critic. Some people just don't seem too impacted by their inner critic. But for those of us who are stuck down what I call the people-pleasing rabbit hole, we're the ones with inner critics that really make us experience shame to feel incredible, incredibly judged and, and demeaned by demeaning that, that inner critic does that to us. And that impacts who we are in the world. I have this inner critic that wanders around in my head, trying to keep me safe. And it can make me feel useless and incapable and stupid. My inner critic is is this ancient tool in my DNA. But, you know, it isn't working for me. It keeps me from living my dreams. It keeps me from knowing who I am. And it keeps me from being who I am. So now what? Have you ever bounced a ball, a basketball, a tennis ball, a Super Bowl, I love those things. They're so high and crazy. Have you ever wondered when bouncing a ball, what makes it bounce back? Some of those balls are better than others at bouncing. And they're not all as amazing as super balls. Now, I'm not much on physics. Basically, I know I need to keep my face out of the space that the ball's going to bounce back to, or I'm going to get myself hurt. But if I were to wonder, I would have learned something. When a ball hits a surface, it's depressed. And the ability of it to spring back into its original shape, that is resilience. I absolutely love that this is what resilience is in physics. The ability of a substance or an object to spring back into its original shape. Because it's so descriptive, it's so comprehensible, comprehensive for me. All of my life, at least what I can remember of it, I've been like a ball of wet clay. When the inner critic gets going, it's like I've been thrown on the floor. I depress. It takes me a hell of a long time to return to my original shape. And if I'm honest, each time I lost part of my shape, as I hid those parts of myself that could threaten my acceptance in the family and the community. What I really want to be is something that has resilience, like a basketball springing back into its shape, or in my wildest dreams, a Super Bowl, with incredible amount of energy and confidence in who I am. 
So I'm learning that if I want to strengthen my resilience muscles so I can bounce like a super ball, I need to shift my inner perspective so that the ability of my inner critic to create a sense of shame in me is reduced, drastically reduced. So understanding that my inner critic is a thing and it's not unique to me, that's helpful. And understanding that my inner critic is just trying to help me survive by ensuring that I have a place of acceptance in the community. That's helpful. Now I can start asking questions. I can start to bring my intellect into the equation. And there are some really important questions to ask. When my inner critic starts talking, am I really in a situation that is life-threatening? If my inner critic is trying to protect me from rejection, from expulsion from the community, is it really going to threaten my life to be rejected? And what kind of community do I want to be a part of? Am I striving to stay in a family or a community that doesn't hold me up, doesn't believe in me, doesn't help me to be the best me that I can be? What kind of survival am I gaining by trying to stay in a family or a community that doesn't value me? Is that what I really want? I'm an adult. I have choice. I may have a really hard choice to make, but I'd rather be conscious about those choices than allowing my incredibly protective inner critic keep me in a community that doesn't let me shine in all my wild, crazy beauty. You know, my inner critic actually can be used to my benefit. When it tells me I could have done something better, it might be right. And if I've decided, if I've identified the communities that I want to be a part of, then my inner critic can help me to identify the particular skills and particular actions that I need to do. It can, I can take advantage of my inner critic's inclination to compare and identify shoulds to give me direction. When I decided I wanted to launch a podcast, I had to learn all the skills required. I had to figure out how to make it happen. And my inner critic continues to tell me that I have vast improvements to make. But if I want to be a part of the podcasting community, I have to listen, perhaps, to what my inner critic has to say. My inner critic gives me something to work with. She's actually pretty discerning. That's part of her nature. Millennia of human evolution has created a very astute ability to discern what could cause rejection. It has created an incredible potential for self-evaluation. That inner critic can point out what can be improved. When we wed our intellect with an understanding of the purpose of the inner critic, it's possible to put the inner critic into use to pursue a career or even a dream life. The inner critic can just can be just as powerful and motivating when perspectives change. And it doesn't always have to make us feel debilitating. 
It doesn't always have to feel debilitating. Learning to work with the secret powers of the inner critic can help us create a life we want in the family and community of our choosing, knowing we are safe, knowing we are secure. So what I've noticed when you begin to become a team with your inner critic, you begin to realize there's another voice contributing to the inner conversation. That's the voice of the intuition. I'm really excited next week to bring you an interview with Megan Gilroy. She's the creator of Fully Shining Women Wisdom School. Megan guides intuitive women leaders to create lives filled with purpose and magic and mystery and mastery, all within a sisterhood of women supporting women. So I really hope you'll join us next week for that discussion. In the meantime, Remember, you are worthy, you are enough, and you are everything the world needs right now. I'll see you next time in the No People Pleasing Zone. If living outside of the people-pleasing rabbit hole resonates with you, hop on over to reclaimingselfacceptance.com to receive your free copy of Adventures in Reclaiming Your Life, Five Secrets Every People-Pleasing Woman Should Know Now. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast app, and we love five-star reviews, too. Okay, beautiful rebel, that's it for this episode. I hope you found value in today's content, because you are deserving of more delicious unapologetic self-love in your life. If you want to come hang out with me on social, you can find me over on Instagram at easy.martinchan or on Facebook at elizabethmartin-chan. If you haven't done so already, go hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you leave us a five-star review, You'll help others discover our podcast. I'll see you next time.